your regular latest edition of the Forest Guy Podcast. Podcast. It's the Forest Guy. We have a model American of the week. Holy crap, that defense is good. Let's get on to the liner side of things. Holy crap, that defense is good. They'll find a way to win a couple of games that maybe they should. Oh, thanks, All right, everybody, uh, another edition of the Polish Guy Podcast here. As usual, we got our uh, buddy Blotz here on the line. As we discuss uh, everything that's going on in the uh, sports world this week, of course, you've got the NBA Finals. We've got a couple of crazy stories to tell you about. And uh, a new segment this week, which uh, Blotnik will be introducing himself. But as we get started, i, I got to say, I can't remember... I can't remember a better NBA Finals in my lifetime as an adult. I, I can't remember one. I remember the ones in the late 80s when I was a kid. I, I really enjoyed those. I, you know, I really liked the Bulls' uh, Portland series. But, man, I, I tell you what, that thing had everything, didn't it? Yeah, um, well, you remember a couple of years ago, uh, the the Lakers uh, played the Celtics and uh, went to a Game 7, and that actually was a pretty good series. Yeah, but, uh, but as far as the style, I mean, that series was just brutal, and, and the seventh game itself was brutal, low scoring, no, nobody could shoot, and, you know, the Lakers basically just out-muscled them in the fourth quarter. Kobe shot six of twenty-four, so he had a terrible game. This game, yeah, the, the, this definitely was the best series I've seen since, uh, even though that wasn't a finals. The uh, the Chicago uh, Boston series uh, a few years back with all those crazy overtime games. Yeah, remember that? Yeah, that was a good series. But as far as an uh, there's been good series leading up to the NBA Finals. There's been plenty of those. You know, even going back to the Dallas-San Antonio series, those were always good. Uh, you, you know, you, you got those things going on. Of course, you know, LeBron's coming out party against the Pistons was an amazing series. Yeah, but that, never in the Finals. Not that I can remember in my lifetime have I ever been engaged in an NBA Finals like this one. I, yeah. I, I really can't remember. And as we're talking the NBA Finals, I did want to mention one thing. I was ripping on the schedule of the NBA Finals during our last podcast. Um, It turns out that the NHL schedule is even worse. They have two or three gaps of three days for the Stanley Cup, and and we're just barely getting to Game 5 on that. So I I have to make an apology because I, I ripped on the NBA on the last podcast about how bad their scheduling was. It turns out, it, it, this year anyway, the, the NHL is worse. And, and that's, that's, that's saying something. So I, I do have to apologize there. I, I wanted to go, in, basically, since this was so exciting, I wanted to remind everybody, I want to go game by game. Because what, not only did you have the superstars involved at the end of the Game 7, you know, you have you have these little moments like Duncan missing his baby hook that he never misses. 
You know, people aren't talking about that very much, right? No, I mean, basically the downfall of the last game, I don't know, I, I would just pinpoint it on Ginobili. Uh, his, he was a turnover machine except for, uh, what was it, uh, game, uh, game oh. six? Well, no, we'll get there. Game six was the eight turnover game. Game five was the Mano game. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Five, yeah. You know, I think that the, uh, I think Parker was sitting because of the hand. I, people want to rip on Greg Popovich sitting Parker and, and sitting Duncan in game six at certain moments, which, by the way, not many people talk about this. I want to mention it. Game six, when they reviewed the three-pointer, um, whether Allen was on, his foot was on the line for the tying three-pointer, they made, the Spurs made a legal substitution get, to get Tim Duncan back into the game. And no one caught it during the game. Pop, said, Pop just said, all right, Tim, you're back in. You can't substitute after a review like that. Yeah, oh. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Uh, <laughs> and if the Spurs had won the title because Pops got away with an illegal substitution, <laughs> that would have been really something. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, going back to junior high, you got to report to the, uh, the scores table, and you got to, uh, you know, you got to wait for a proper stoppage of play before before you go into the game, and nope. you just said, "Screw it." <laughs> <laughs> yep, and then Duncan was magically back. <laughs> so, not many people brought that point up, and I wanted to make sure I did on this podcast because. Wow, did they come close to winning the title in Game Six? And, and that one, if they had done it partially due to legal substitution, that would have been something. But you know, Manu had okay. Well, let's let's go game by game because it's so interesting that. He, do you agree with LeBron being the MVP? I, I mean, hitting that huge shot or just was that Game Seven alone worthy worthy of giving him the MVP? Well, who else could you given it to? Chris Bosh? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Zero points, 0 for 5 from the field, 5 fouls? Chris yeah, Bosh? Yeah, he, was, he had 0 points and 3 fouls, I think, in the first half. Yeah. And he had, uh, he had the same number of shot attempts as fouls and didn't make a single basket. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean just as I, we predicted on the last podcast, I mean... Uh, you know, predicted Wade would have two or three good games, which he did. Uh, but it, you know, he got to give it to LeBron. He had numerous triple doubles. Uh, you know, did the last uh, game six, game seven, he was great. So he got to give it to LeBron. Yeah, and, and you know, LeBron in game seven. You know, it seems like anytime someone brings up. A uh, a criticism, of LeBron. He he, it's, he he listens and he answers the next game because game seven, thirty seven four and twelve. So he was he was a little selfish in game seven with only four assists. Of course, they missed they missed seven, like six. The, the the he his role players missed. I, I know Mike Miller alone missed like three assists that he cost LeBron. Um, before. Uh, Okay, let, let's go game by game before I get completely off track here. But, you know, game one, 
spur, basically that I have my notes there saying, that's basically the Spurs serving notice. That this is going to be a long series and Tony Parker was great in that game. Tony Parker saying, hey, you have an NBA Finals MVP, uh, but so do I. Uh, that, that was definitely the game where after our podcast and we saw that happen, uh, I think I think my feelings of that that game was that oh yeah we nailed it this is going to be a deep series did you feel the same way back then? Yeah, I mean uh, we both predicted this uh, this series would go seven. We just weren't sure uh, who was going to win. And uh, 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 yeah, uh, you, you. I mean uh, after they got done with that uh, grueling series with Indiana, I mean. Like a good team and all, but they don't have a point guard. Right, right. And, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, Chalmers and Norris Cole uh, can be good at times, but I don't think either of those guys should be starting, and uh, they had to guard Tony Parker. Yeah, it, it was, uh, and Parker just, anytime Parker had Chalmers on him, he just abused him. Yeah. I just abused him. Took his pants down, stole his shoes, just abused him. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was every single time. I said, oh, I got this guy on me. I can kill this guy. <laughs> and we knew eventually that LeBron was going to end up having to cover Parker. And, you know, they gave LeBron a lot of rest in Game 7. But in the, in the fourth quarter, they put LeBron on Parker. And he gave it his all and you know... Give credit where credit's due, man. I mean, Pat Riley coached the hell of a series. I mean, <laughs> I know the head coach is Eric Spolstra, but don't get let's let's not tease ourselves here. That was uh, that was Pops versus Riley. Why do you think every well, why do you think every single game was an answer for the previous game? That <laughs> Eric, Eric Spolstra is a fine young coach and all. He knows his stuff. But uh, let's not get this wrong here. I mean, that was that was Pops and Riley. What? You know, I, I, don't you think that's true? Yeah, Spolstra probably had some like uh, some clear like Bluetooth device uh, in his ear on the sidelines <laughs> that we couldn't see, and uh, was uh, channeling his uh, strategery, uh, as George Bush would say, uh, uh, from Pat Riley. Yeah, they were probably <laughs> using one of the NSA lines. You know, one of the secret NSA lines they gave Riley the code or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, anyway, game two was an extremely important game, and I'm going to explain why. Not just the, the, the heat, you know, tying the series, of course. But remember, it's the famous 33-5-1 run. It's the block that LeBron had on splitter. But the key to that game was that Miami found that small lineup that they went to so often when they needed points. That that basically no point guard offense where LeBron finds guys, all his three-point shooters. I mean, it was, uh, I believe the lineup was LeBron, Chris Anderson, Ray Allen, Shane Battier, and, and Chalmers, I think, was one variation. They had another variation as well, but... That was so key in the in that series, and, and the funny thing about the Heat in that series is, you know, they they win it in seven games, but you know, the dirty little secret is that they played 
horribly when it was LeBron, Wade, and Bosh on the floor together. Did Did you notice that? Yeah, as I said, uh, there there were certain games where where Wade was great, and then there was other games where why the hell is he even on the floor? So uh, Bosh had like one good game. Other than that, uh, you know. I, uh, it'll be interesting to see whether Riley uh, even keeps him on the team uh, going forward in the next year. Uh, he, even though the, the Heat did win this series, you should see they have uh, definite deficiencies inside. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there's well, and, and you've got a guy. I mean, Bosch played a lot tougher in Game Seven. He had nothing to show for it, but he did play tougher down low. Yeah, but, I mean, that, that, early, early in the season, Duncan would just put Bosch on his butt, back him down into the basket, and throw it off the backboard and, and make it. I mean, he didn't get away with that in Game 7. No, he, he, didn't, he didn't have those little, yeah, he did not have the little bank shots from 5 to 7 feet that he's so good at. And, and you got to give Bosch credit there. But until Bosch started playing down low at all, he was ruining that offense every single time he went out to that three-point line. So, I mean, it's almost like they need to put one of those electric dog collars around the paint. Like, just, no, Bosch, you go back there now. You're, you're, you're clogging the toilet. Our offense is shitty now, and you're just clogging it. You're doing a terrible job. Go back in the lane. You know, get some electroshock therapy to remember where it is or something. I, I it was it was awful. I, I just cringed every single time I saw it. I just I, it was terrible. So for the series, you know, I, I'm pretty sure the plus minus when Wade and LeBron were on the floor together was almost even. There was no advantage. But Birdman in games, particularly game seven, Birdman alone had a plus 12 going in the middle of the fourth quarter. I don't know what he finished at, but he's plus, one of the fun stats from game seven, Birdman, plus 12 in the middle of the fourth quarter. Boris Diaw had that weird three, but other than that, he was a negative 18 when he was in the game. Yeah, Diaw uh, was a weird player. I mean, he was a really good player in Phoenix. And uh, then he came to the Spurs, and he got fat. Yeah, I, and, I mean, it's uh, like, yeah, I mean, I, I looked at Dion, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, with the Suns, he was uh, he was kind of skinny. In fact, uh, he, he was the guy getting in uh, Kobe's face right. out there. And then it just looks like he, like, just ate, it's just like he eats a steer every week. <laughs> it's like he goes to Texas and eats a whole steer. Every week. My God, did he blow up, man. <laughs> and, uh, and then there was that, uh, I, I had a flashback to, like, Oliver Miller on one of his, he had a, this weird drive where he actually got a wall all the way to the basket. And, and, it, and I think it was game six or game seven. I bet he was game seven, like, this weird layup, and he, he actually found his way in the lane. I, I, I had flashbacks to Oliver Miller, man. I really, yeah. I really did. Yeah, it would have been even funnier if Aaron Lundquist was calling the game. Oh, God. 
<laughs> I'm telling you, Vernon's why I, I love Vern. I'm sure he's a hell of a nice guy if I if I ever get to meet him. But that boy, that boy, that boy's put it away a little bit. He definitely need the widescreen when uh, Vern's on. <laughs> that, that 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 just regular uh, four by three ratio. Not gonna not you're gonna need the sixteen by nine on that. I mean. Uh, Game three was the, the Spurs blowout. LeBron goes 7 for 21, which was his last bad game of the series. And, of course, the you know, that was the Danny Green game. And the Spurs blew him out, hit 16 total threes for a finals record. And, and that was LeBron's really only bad game. And, and then, of course, they won three or four to end it. And LeBron didn't have a single bad game in that. Um, game four was when... Wade decided to show up, uh, and it was Bosch's only good game. Bosch was 20 and 13 in that game. Wade at 32. You know he, uh, you know whatever shot he had to get in his knee must have really, really kind of set in, or whatever's going on with him. You know Bosch started playing tough in Game Four. LeBron was 33, 4 and 11, 15 of 25 from the field, and then, and then just. Complete weirdness and craziness happens after that. Uh, game five, that's that's the Manu game, the 24 and 10. It, 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 is, is Manu done, in your opinion? Was was that the last hurrah? Was game five the last hurrah? Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that was his first good game in three months. I mean, and you can't... Uh, you can't consistently be given a guy 30-something minutes a game who's going <laughs> to who's gonna do that once every three months. I mean, you, you know, Gary Neal or some of the other guys on the bench probably should have been out there uh, a lot more than Manu. Yeah, I, I, you know, you, you got to go with the guys that, that got you there, but that... A man who wasn't one of them that got him there. Uh, I mean, uh, how much more valuable to that team is Kawhi Leonard now than Manu? Uh, I mean, Kawhi yeah, Leonard, Leonard's great, man. He, he's only going to get better too. He's he's, he's a real good player. Is, he, is it true? He's only he's still twenty one. Is that right? I believe so. I'm not quite sure when he came out of San Diego State. At most, he's 22, uh, but I think he's 21, and he, uh, again, one of those understated performances, he had 19 and 16 in Game 7. Right. And he had, that, he had a key three-pointer there, I, I mean, that dude's a stud, man, that dude is a stud. Yeah, Game 5 was a man of game, and I agree, I, I mean... Yeah, in a regular season, he's probably gonna he's gonna stick around and you know have a good game here and there. But wow, after but he erased all the good memories with what happened in Game Six and Seven. I mean, Game Six, eight turnovers, nine points. You know, Game Seven, the most important possession of the game for for San Antonio, and he he does one of those Manu things where. It used to always work out, you know. It, you would have Manu do this crazy drive, lean this way, fall that way, flip the ball up, you know, something. And then he just threw it right to the heat. 
Uh, just and well, the game sits, and when that game was in overtime, uh, I mean he he was driving. He did get fouled. There was no call. It was uh, kind of eerily similar to the uh, I believe it was the the game two last year in the finals with the Thunder and the Heat, where uh, Kevin Durant didn't get that call, or he was fouled by LeBron. Right, the controversial call at the end. Yep, yep. What was that game? Yeah. Was that game two? Yeah. Last I believe year? it was. Yeah. Yeah, game two last year, I think. Yeah, there was that. I, I mean, look, there was a free throw disparity in Game Seven. I felt the. I think the Spurs got a lot more benefit of the doubt, and there was some really weird ticky tack calls. You know, it, it, they let them play for so long, and, and then there's yeah. Some... I mean, uh, Game Seven, especially for the Spurs, there seemed to be a, a lot of guys on the ground, <laughs> like every possession. <laughs> Yeah, it was weird because, you know, they in the first and second quarter, I was thinking, oh, yeah, they're going to let them play. Yeah, okay, this is cool. But then in, like, the third quarter, when, when it, 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 you know, tell me this. They didn't feel like during that game, uh, game seven, that the, the Heat were just, they were throwing these haymakers, but, but, but the Spurs always had, like, something happen to them that would never let the lead get more than five or six, you know? You feel that going uh, on? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, they they just couldn't, uh, couldn't clamp that down on Miami after when they would get ahead and then Miami would go on runs and, it, it just always felt like Miami was going to pull away, and then when they never did, I was, I was really surprised. I mean, it really felt like they were always on the brink of pulling away with the Spurs, just like you know, like a veteran fighter, man. I mean, just found a way, you know, get get a hook in there, you know, a couple of good jabs to the body, you know. What a tough series! What a, what a wow! I mean, in David Stern's last NBA Finals is that. You know, conspiracy theory, conspiracy theories. You know, are going to be a, a, around for that. I'm sure, but man, what what a lucky guy to go out and, and really what what I think is is the best series I can remember. I, I just as you know, since I've been an adult, where I really understand things more, not just a kid. Uh, wow, I I just did. I have not enjoyed another series like this one. I, I just I yeah, I, I can't say yeah, enough about would... it. That that was great. I I hope Duncan plays one more year. Uh, he he could still play. I mean, was it game six? He had twenty five at halftime. Yeah, uh, it, you know, and, so. and Bill Simmons kind of predicted that in his column. But you know, the the old old Tim Duncan that we have now. That's all he had, man. He shot his load in that first twenty four, but it was so <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it was classic Duncan. He was hitting those five or seven footers, he, the tip ins and the, you know, the little way how he's he's always in the perfect spot for the rebound and uh just it was amazing. It's just a great job and I I love seeing it. But you know, by the end of Game Six, he was absolutely gassed, and and he just can't quite do it for that long. In, a, in an environment like that, but man, I tell you what, it, he's got a couple years left before he's done, and I, 
I, I think he should stick around, and I, and I think he should continue to mentor Kawhi Leonard, and, and just uh, I think I think that's going to be great. I, I think that's who you build around uh, for the future out there. Yeah, I mean, uh, not going to get any help from Ginobili next year, probably, <laughs> so you might as well have Duncan come back. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't see him in the starting lineup very much. You know, it, it, just a great series. Um, is there anything you want to talk about in the games? I mean, before we move on to the rest of the fun stuff, I, I, I want to talk about Miami's legacy a little bit. But, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, it was great series, as you were saying. I mean, uh, I mean, it, it did come down to the last 60 seconds. It was, uh, it was a two-point game going to the last minute of the game in Game 7. And, uh, you know, and then uh, the Spurs missed some shots, and then they started to foul, and that's why the score was a seven-point game in Game 7. But it was, uh, you know... It's as good a series as you're going to find. It was awesome. One last comment on LeBron. Obviously, you know, doing it against the Spurs and, and doing it on their terms because they they absolutely clogged the lane for the entire game seven and said, okay, if we're going to get beat, we're going to get beat on the outside. And Wade was hitting from right, you know, that spot that he loves right off the elbow. You know that little yeah. an, that little angle off the elbow a little bit. You know, four or five feet away, a little bit in um, near the baseline. You know, he that's at one of his spots, and they they gave it to him too often. But LeBron, obviously, you know, elementary words here saying that there's no way he would have done that four years ago. But there's no way he would have done that four years ago. Really showed that he worked on his shot, and nothing bigger. Then that that fall, slight fall away, seventeen footer at the end. Uh, just look, the Cleveland people. A message to Cleveland people. It's done. Okay. Yeah, he was a kid. He embarrassed the city. It was awful. It was awful to see him leave like that. The kid is. At, at, I think a time that LeBron James and I said this on the podcast. It was my theory. LeBron James has lived in a bubble his entire life. And, you know, he's had an interesting life where, you know, he gives all this respect to his mom, but he was living with a well-to-do white family in the fourth grade when his mom gave him up because she couldn't handle it anymore. But, you know, it's still, that's who birthed him. And he's always been around his boys. He's always been in this, like, cocoon. So, so I think when he left Cleveland... I really think he had the mentality of, of a teenager, and and I, I over the years I've heard things confirming that here in Cleveland. The dude's a man now, though. I mean, he's grown up, and it's time to start just appreciating uh, what he is and, and stop being bitter. Because after all, if he doesn't go to the Lakers. Which I still think he's going to the Lakers because he's he's going to take the throw he's going to take the mantle from Kobe out there. But there's going to be discussion about coming back to Cleveland. I, I he he still lives here. He still does like a, a you know a bike a thon and all this type of stuff around here. 
maybe you want to let the bitterness go a little bit because he might be coming back. I, I mean, I would say it's Lakers 1, Cleveland 2. I, I really honestly believe that. What do you think? I don't think he's coming back. Um, well, I, like I said, no. Lakers Lakers for sure. I, 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 I think something weird would have to happen for him not to end up as a Laker. But... But I, w- I really think Cleveland's a, the solid number two. Yeah, I, I, I really don't know. I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see how uh, if Miami keeps uh, this team together and uh, if they're able to get some uh, young talent there, maybe he stays there. Who knows? I, I don't. I don't know. Well, as far as the Miami legacy, I think we can say. First, we can say the experiment has worked in that LeBron has grown up to be a man, and he has won these two championships. He did not get a lot of help in these playoffs. Uh, you know, Wade showing up for only two or three games a series, that was not the blueprint. The blueprint was this was going to be dominating. And the fact is, this wasn't a big three. This was LeBron willing that team. And the role players playing well, like Battier and Ray Allen, doing what they're supposed to do. Again, that team was not good when the supposed big three were on the on the court together. I mean, they're I mean, they're fine. I mean, they'll always win sixty regular season games, but it really glaring weaknesses in the playoffs, and they're they're probably better off getting rid of one of them. I really think so. Get another, get a rebounder. You know, get someone that can actually bang inside, and that team, that team would be pretty unstoppable if you traded Bosch out for, like, if you traded Bosch out for David Lee. I'm, I'm serious. David Lee might be what that team is missing. Yeah, I mean they were they were monumentally better after they signed Chris Anderson in the middle of the season uh, because before that they were playing you know Haslam and Joel Joel and Anthony and then they signed Anderson and Anthony wasn't even in the rotation anymore. Uh, and let's not forget that Joel Anthony started most of last season and in the playoffs for that team. <laughs> And now he's just gone. <laughs> I, and he's not terrible. I'd almost, I'd rather, I'd actually rather experiment with him than Bosch at this point. <laughs> but, well, you, you know, he's going to play defense and, uh, you know, block a few shots, get some rebounds. He's uh, not really going to score, but, uh, yeah, that was more than what Bosch was giving you at some points in the series, that's for sure. All right. Any any final thoughts on? Uh, I, I think we can say that the the legacy uh, three straight finals, two wins. We we can say that this is a success, and that say LeBron gets the four championships. Uh, I mean, he supplants. I think he puts himself in the all time top five at that point. He might already be there. I don't know. Uh, that's for other people to discuss and know a little bit more about basketball than I do, but. Let's say he gets two more championships throughout his life. Uh, he, he's got to be in the top five for sure then, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I was 
I was going to say, if, if Duncan somehow, if the Spurs end up winning this series, I mean, you you got to, you almost got to put Duncan in the top five. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I'm, almost, I'm pretty willing to do that already. I, I really yeah. am. I, I don't know. It, it, so impressive. Everything was great. Um, any final thoughts on the finals before before you introduce the new segment? Uh, no, it was great. Uh, though Game 7 was kind of weird that uh, you know, LeBron shot 55% from the floor during like, the regular season. And there would just be weird defensive rotations by the Spurs where he was wide open for like five seconds on the three-point line. <laughs> well, I, I mean, they just said... No one would guard him, and he's like, okay, I'll shoot this and make it, and uh, it would just stop any momentum the Spurs would have. Yeah, and he had a couple of those when it looked like the Spurs were going to go on a run, and, and he just silenced them. It's just yeah. real impressive. So, um, I'd like to introduce the, uh, the name of a new segment that, that we came up with this week. It's the Who Gives an S Headline of the Week. <laughs> and, Blonick, I believe you brought this one to my attention, so why don't you give everyone the Who Gives an S Headline of the Week. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars have announced, they believe, a $63 million renovation to uh, Everbank Field there in Jacksonville. Uh this is, uh, nobody goes to the games now to begin with. Uh, they're installing two uh, giant-sized scoreboards and uh, improving the uh, the seats and the luxury boxes. They and, have luxury uh, boxes? And no, nobody goes to the game now to begin with. <laughs> so they're improving... <laughs> Approving all this at uh, at uh, down in Jacksonville, and they're improving it to uh, well, I guess uh, look better for uh, empty TV uh, viewings. <laughs> well, I I do hear that the new scoreboards are going to be so good that you will actually see Blaine Gabbard's psyche shatter. <laughs> uh, as, I mean, as, as he's pile-drive by another defensive lineman. I mean, it's, I don't know, it's, nobody cares. I mean, the Dolphins are one of the most historic franchises in the league, and they can't even draw people anymore. And they announced some upgrades, too, in order just so they can keep getting Super Bowls. Yeah, and well, they're having problems with their uh, state and local government out there. That's why Houston got the Super Bowl in a couple of years. That would be because the entire that would be because the entire city was swindled by the Marlins, and everyone's bitter about it. That was, <laughs> I'm sure that had no effect on anything whatsoever. <laughs> well, I'm really excited. Let, let me say that uh, I, I am very excited that when. When, when, the, when the Jaguars move uh, to London to become the London Silly Nannies, at least they'll be leaving behind a fully upgraded stadium that nobody goes to. <laughs> it's going to look beautiful and empty, which is basically what it is now. <laughs> so I, if you've ever seen uh, Shad Khan's uh, a boat, 
Uh, Google that. This is the type of guy that he might find $63 million just in a couch. So, you know, good for him. I'm glad that at least, at least as, as Blaine Gabbard's clavicle is shattering right before his very eyes, he will be in a very comfortable recliner. That is good to hear. That's good for everybody. All right, let, let's go on to the craziness. So, so again, folks, it's the Who Gives an Us headline of the week. Brought to you by the Polish Guy Podcast. Congratulations, Jaguars. I'm guessing you're not going to... This is not the first time that they'll have the Who Gives an S headline of the week. But let's get to the craziness. We've got Russian prime ministers. We've got possible murderers. <laughs> we've got... We've got uh, the head of the Kraft family. Let, let's start with Robert Kraft. Folks... Coming out uh, this week, Robert Kraft uh, mentioned that the story goes he was in Russia and he, he met the, uh, Mr. Vladimir Putin and he showed Putin his Super Bowl ring and apparently Putin said something crazy like, I could kill a guy with this, pocketed the thing and ran off. That's what... Uh, Robert Kraft is saying, the owner of New England Patriots. Well, Vladimir Putin has said, one, he doesn't even remember meeting Mr. Kraft, and two, he doesn't know anything about a Super Bowl ring. <laughs> now, once, before I tell you my advice to Robert Kraft uh, on this, what 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 are your feelings on this type of story? What, what, is your, what does your gut feel tell you on this one? I don't know what my gut tells me, but I, I've heard that the Super Bowl reign is being displayed out in the, out in the Kremlin there in Russia. So, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Kraft and his wife have one version of the story, and Putin has another, and... <laughs> No, and, and and my best advice to Robert Kraft is this: let it go. You're a lucky man to have two more that you can stare at. If you don't know the history of Vladimir Putin, you might want to Google him. You might want to look up a Wikipedia page or something. This dude was high up involved in the KGB when it was still the KGB in capital letters. When he says something crazy like, I could kill a guy with this, he wasn't kidding. He could definitely kill a guy with it. So I'm saying, Mr. Kraft, let it go. Let it go. And by the way, Robert Kraft, really big name in this country. Big family name. Guarantee that he's met Obama. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's on the list of people who could actually call Obama. I'm thinking that he probably called Obama on this one. And Obama was like, what the F do you want me to do about it? <laughs> Obama's like, what, you want me to help him bomb some Chechen rebels or something? 
What do you want me to do? Shut up, crap. Go home. You should never mention this. Hey, guess what? If the ex-KGB guy wants to take your Super Bowl ring and never give it back, you don't ask for it. You know, it's like that yard when you that, that one yard when you used to play backyard baseball, where there's always the one yard where if you hit it into there, you just don't go to the door. You're like that's that's gone. We we are not messing with old man Smithers. He he. I hear a kid went in there and he chopped his head off last week. Everyone had that. This is a guy that could chop your head off. Okay. You know what happens? You know what's interesting about you know what happens to Russian billionaires when they cross Vladimir Putin? They end up in the Ural Mountains, and then are never heard from again. Let it go, Robert Kraft. Let it go, buddy. All right, very special edition of the Model American. Uh, basically, I think we're gonna get a solid twenty minutes out of this segment, and you're gonna hear. The craziest idea of a theory that you've ever heard on a podcast. And it's so crazy, it could possibly be true. But first, let's get to the story. Aaron Hernandez. Well, yeah. let, let me interject here. There, there were some other really good nominees before the Aaron Hernandez story surfaced. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, yeah give, the no, give the nominees. Uh, you got the uh, the Florida State player who uh, who raped a thirteen year old girl. Yeah. Uh, you got the uh, the Navy football team uh, committing sexual assault against one woman. It was three different players. The the Navy isn't releasing the names of the players, but it's military, and you got to kind of expect that. But, uh, like, I, you know, let me, let me just say this. Let me say this. Hold on. Let me say this about the Navy here. You know, after that whole tail hook thing, you know, back, back in the 90s, you would think that they really kind of just, like, would have washed the sexual assault out of their system, you know, just as a whole. Like, you know what? All right, we're good. We're done. We tried that. We don't need to do it again. Revisiting the sexual assault thing, not the best idea in the world. I'm just saying. I mean, I don't think that the, the Navy as a whole would have gotten that out of their system with the whole tailhook thing. And kiddies, if you don't know what tailhook is, again, use your Google. It, it's, it's an interesting one, and it obviously involves sexual assault. Anyway. And uh, one last night, I'm in the, the Florida Gators linebacker, Antonio Morrison, who was uh, arrested for punching a nightclub bouncer because the bouncer did not give him a discounted rate for admission while uh, entering the club. <laughs> oh, is, is Titus Young teaching a class? That sounds like something he would do. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Titus Young probably needs some money. I mean, he, he could, you know, how to be a douche 101. But uh, moving on, yes, to the, sto the story of the the week, the month, the the summer, whatever. <laughs> the year. <laughs> First of all, Aaron Hernandez, congratulations. He is already 
Uh, he's part of the fourth name uh, on the Mount Rushmore of model Americans now. Joining uh, Travis Henry, Lawrence Phillips, and Ray Carruth. I, I mean, it, look, we don't know exactly what he did. Uh, first of all, let's for anyone who's missed any of the details here, we'll try. We're going to try to tell you it all here. Okay. Uh, what was last Saturday, Sunday, Saturday night, I think. Anyway, uh, well, the community, mile away from Aaron Hernandez's home, and a jogger finds a, a dead guy. Uh, a car, the reason why Aaron Hernandez's came up, name came up in the first place was due to a uh, rental car uh, that, that had a description uh, in the police report. Turns out the rental car was rented by in Hernandez's name. Now in that home, no, no, I got some more information on that as well. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, Hernandez actually rented three cars uh, this past weekend. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, all, all that went on, uh, and then. Uh, on a Wednesday, uh, the one car was actually returned with a broken mirror uh, by somebody other than Hernandez. <laughs> so it's kind of weird unless you have a bunch of family coming into town that uh, you're renting three cars. Well, from uh, my understanding is that a couple of his boys from Florida are living in that house with him. And the rumors are that these associates are longtime friends. And yeah, are, are, yeah, the, uh, hold on, hold on, uh, hold on, hold on. Let me finish. And those longtime friends may or may not have been the reason that he fell in the draft because it's assumed that those are the guys with the gang ties that he knows. That's that's what I've read. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Patriots uh, beat reporter, I forget what her name is, but she, she was on a serious uh, NFL radio this week, and uh, she, she says uh, Hernandez really has no friends or really associates with anybody on the team, and he, he's been there for, for three years already. And uh, basically, after practice on Monday, exactly when the police first wanted to talk to Hernandez. At which point he became uncooperative and turned in three cell phones, one of his and two of his associates, in, in pieces to the police. Then it comes then two facts come out, or supposed facts as we understand them. One, a cleaning crew was at the house on Monday, and two 
He has surveillance video, but destroyed all the cameras and the video, something a patriot would always be good at, destroying video. And uh, eventually you get to the point where he is now uh, getting charged with obstruction of justice. Now, the dead guy, former uh, semi-pro football player, uh, let me make sure I get the name right, Odin Lloyd, was before the time of his death, A, seen, uh, supposedly seen in a bar with Hernandez and his friends five hours before he died. B, was before he died, at some point was dating the sister of Hernandez's baby mama. There's a few connections here. A couple of dots are uh, getting connected. Um, at the at the very least, this seems like look. It's hard to say no to your boys, but man, if you're making a living doing what he's able to do, I I tell you what, man. Um, it, it, you know this happens with a lot of athletes. I mean, maybe not gang members or supposed gang members or something. But it's really hard to say no to your boys. And it's clear that he has no interest in saying no to his boys. And he also has no interest of doing anything but being with his boys. So this is a very interesting situation because if you think about it logically, the real only real way that Hernandez could get out of the situation is A, not be the killer, which... By the way, uh, there's another asset, uh, aspect of this. Hernandez, uh, there's a suit from a former friend that says, Hernandez tried to shoot him in the arm and it ricocheted into his face and he lost his eye. So apparently, Hernandez has shot someone in the face this year already. Yes, yeah, so that was outside Tootsie's Strip Club in Miami, February 13th. Uh, a week after the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, I there's so, but again, to get out of this obstruction of justice, the best way for him to do it is to squeal on his voice. If they did it, if if one of them did it, but he's one, it, it's near his house. I mean, first of all, how dumb. Look, I, I'm not planning to get in the killing business anytime soon. You know, it's not on my life goals list. But I'm thinking, okay, I have an accessory to murder. Someone just got shot in the face in my house. I'm probably going more than a mile away. Don't you think you would, you know, once you go a little further than that? Uh, I have no, no idea what I would do in that situation, <laughs> but uh, if... Uh, yeah, if, uh, you know, <laughs> if you had nothing to do with it, uh, you know... Well, obviously... Obviously, you would uh, cooperate with the police, which Hernandez didn't do initially, and still really hasn't, because they have to get all types of warrants just to uh, do, do their searches and... Uh, uh, pushing him, and they still really haven't officially arrested him. Right. Uh, but 
but yeah, you would probably uh, <laughs> try to find a way to, uh, you know, yeah, get get out of that situation as as soon as possible. And, and really, he's got some squeal on his boys if he didn't do it. Yeah, I mean, he's... That's the only way. I mean, the, the evidence is basically, I don't know if he killed the guy, but he's definitely involved. I mean, that's that's the breakdown of the evidence so far. Well, if, if the killer has been living in his house for the last week, if, well, I, I think there's char I think they can pile on a lot of charges and put a lot of pressure on Hernandez. I, wow, this is just, this, this is a sad story. And by the way, the weird thing is, you know, but they just signed Tebow. <laughs> it's almost as if they had prior knowledge of what was going on. Like, we need a Jesus freak. Yeah, Darth Hoodie uh, conspiracy theory is, you know, how much did Belichick know <laughs> when he signed Tebow? Yeah. yeah. Because he got, uh, he got, uh, you know, he got a player involved in a, in a murder Tebow sideshow going on during training camp. I mean, you thought it was nuts last year with the Jets. I mean, with these <laughs> with these two things going on uh, well, with the, the Patriots. The, the, the it, Patriots are kind of... It's going to be crazy. The, the Patriots already kind of turned their back on Hernandez. I mean, they're not making comments, but he did try to go to the facility one day this week and, and was <laughs> denied access. So, uh, it's just... Weird, sad story, but I have a theory of how, what could have happened if Aaron Hernandez somehow gets off scot-free. Here's the story. To get his Super Bowl ring back from Vladimir Putin, Putin remembers this uh, Odin Lloyd. Uh, somehow he, he did Putin wrong. Putin needed to kill needed to kill Odin Lloyd, so he asked Robert Kraft, "said Hey, you kill this guy, you can get your ring back." Robert Kraft says, "Hey, wait a minute, I know who could do this for me. I got a guy on my team that fell fell to us because he might know gang members, and if anyone I know that knows about killing people, it would be gang members." So, my possible crazy theory is that. Aaron Hernandez's boys killed Odin Floyd because Odin Floyd once wronged Vladimir Putin and Putin is blackmailing Kraft into the murder in order to get the Super Bowl ring back. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, folks. That's the real story. Well, it, it's going to be interesting <laughs> To see uh, how Kraft uh, does business with his team and his organization going forward, because he he, he can't he can't like the the stain that that this is causing, and uh, the last three years uh, the Patriots have basically drafted or acquired guys that are. They're very highly questionable, uh, and uh, you know, basically, they've done that because they no longer have any competition in, in their division. 
the Jets, <laughs> Buffalo, and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, and they could get by this Miami. year. They could easily get by this year too, because the closest team to doing anything is Miami. Uh, and Buffalo and the Jets are just yeah. Train I mean, uh, I mean, the last couple of years they've they've acquired you know, uh, Dante Hightower, Chandler Jones, Akeem Talib, who shot a gun at a cop in Dallas. Hernandez slipped to the fourth round. Uh, Ryan Mallett, who had some drug problems at Arkansas, I believe he was a fourth round pick. Uh, I'm not sure who I'm missing here, but uh, you know, uh, Gerard Mayo uh, is also on that team that had some character issues. And, uh, you know, it's fine that all these guys are on the team now, but uh, going forward, I don't. I think he's going to tell Belichick not not to sign any more of these guys. Yeah, I, who knows? Uh, probably. I mean, this. I, I mean, really, at the very minimum, it, it seems that the obstruction of justice charge is pretty much cut and dry. Now, trying to prove a murder on this. Because they did destroy all that evidence, that is going to be a much tougher hill to climb for, for anything that happens here. So he might, like I said, he might get off scot-free in this, but I do think it's going to take some squealing, and that's going to be a hard thing for to expect. I mean, he might fight it. I mean, if he's this close-knit with these guys, and he's been loyal to them his whole life, and he, and he does have friends on the team, and, and this is... You know, this is the group of people he chooses to be with. Wow, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he just fights the whole thing. And if he fights the whole thing and loses, he's lost everything. I mean, it's just crazy, crazy story, man. And so crazy that immediate, immediate in introduction into the uh, model American Mount Rushmore of, of, of crap. It's not quite Ray Ruth yet, unless we find out something a little bit different here. But uh, he he deserves to be on on that mantle with those other guys right now. Be there, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, cut off there for a second, but uh, <laughs> no problem. Uh, yeah, we're we're wrapping up here anyway. I mean, you you got any closing thoughts here? I mean, just craziest model American we've had in a while, and and, and I like. Uh, I mean, you you were saying you were saying before just by some crazy scenario, uh, you know, if Hernandez got off scot free. Yeah. Yep. What would Goodell do then? I think he was because still, they're, they're they're really well. He suspended I mean, Ben Roethlisberger for no good reason. Uh, just because, yeah, just because um, he's you know just because he was a jerk basically. So I mean, this guy's worse. Well, I mean the, the uh, I mean there's very little uh, you know bad drop or previous events where loss of uh, a human life has uh, you know has has happened uh, it has happened with uh, Dante Stallworth 
Gerard and Chillinajai and Leonard Little before that. Uh, Little was under Talia Boo's watch. Yeah. Uh, uh, Stallworth was suspended for a year. Uh, you know, the the Ray Lewis case was was 15 years ago, and I don't even think anything happened to him. Uh, well, in terms of lead action. I, I look. I, I don't think Aaron Hernandez. I, I don't think I don't think Goodell should let Hernandez. I, I don't think for the good of the league. <laughs> I don't think Hernandez should see the field this year. Uh, I mean, it it, it, it almost needs a, another big story to 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 supplant it to to blow this over because if not, or if somehow the facts get even worse, you know it's. I don't see how he sees the field this year. I, I don't. And, and really, watch out for Miami a little bit because without this, and who knows if Gronk is ever going to be the same. I, I'm really wondering about him if he's just going to be injury prone. And they don't have any developed receivers that are any good anymore, really. And Danny Amendola is good, but he can't stay on the field. And he had a life-threatening injury last year. You know, no big deal. I mean, their their passing game is is very questionable, you know. And I wrote a little bit about that this week, but I, I really believe it. I mean, I believe in Tom. I believe in Tom Brady. I believe in Darth Hoodie until I until I don't. Um, but man, there's there's a lot of there's some question marks. There's red flags now. I mean, if you, yeah, if you want to yeah, talk about, I believe I believe Gronkowski is going to come back week four. Uh, versus Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, the first three weeks, the Patriots play Buffalo, the Jets, and Tampa Bay. Uh, wow. Two to three. Two to three of those games are at home, and then their uh, next three is at Atlanta, at Cincinnati, and then uh, home versus New Orleans. Well, there you're. You're right. There you go. I I gotta think. There's a twelve week timetable. Uh, this surgery for Gronkowski, and uh, I've got to say that they'll give him like a month to uh, get some strength back. Uh, I, I really think that September 29th Atlanta game is, is when he comes back. They're not going to put him on the PUP. Um, I don't know. I mean, if you're saying 12 weeks, then, a, then another month to really get healthy. I mean, that's pushing mid-October, man. Uh, well, I mean, he had the surgery on the 20th, and it's, uh, right. I guess, 11, 11 and a half weeks the, from that point to the first game uh, in Buffalo. Uh, It'll be close. So, It'll be close. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Well, I, I think we've uh, done... Uh, I think we've done uh, justice to this crazy story. And uh, any 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 final parting thoughts? Um, don't shoot anybody uh, tonight if you're uh, out in the bath. Other than that, uh, and, and, you know. and look, if you if you do, uh, and you're trying to shoot them in the arm, uh, shoot them in the arm, not the face. <laughs> just, just, just say it. All right, folks. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Polish Guy Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. 
Talk to everybody soon. Welcome everybody to the latest edition of the Forest Guy Podcast. We have a model American of the week. Holy crap, that defense is good. Let's put on the lighter side of things. <laughs>